Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for He is faithful that promised. In my moments of fear, through every pain, every tear, there's a God who's been faithful to me. When my strength is all gone, when my heart has no song, still in love, he's still faithful to me. Every word that he's promised is true. What I thought was impossible, I see my God do. He's been faithful, faithful to me. Looking back, his love and mercy I see, though in my heart I have questioned, even failed to believe, yet he's been faithful, faithful to me. When my heart looked away, the many times I couldn't pray, still my God, he's been faithful to me. The days I spent so selfishly, Reaching out for what pleased me, even then, he's been faithful to me. Every time I turn back to him, he is waiting with open arms, and I see once again, he's been faithful, so faithful to me, looking back, his love and mercy I see. Though in my heart I have questioned, even failed to believe, yet he's been faithful, faithful. Oh. 
to believe, yet he's been faithful, faithful to me. He's been faithful, and he helps me to believe. Yes, song i'm gonna start out with a joke because i'm still nervous and y'all laughing will help me laugh um but every day in youth group uh upstairs we uh casey always tries to read a story and he read this story today and i'd heard it before and he said that the person that reminded him of this story was josh tilford but in my heart i thought it reminded me of sid rocklets i'm gonna tell the story hopefully it's funny and hopefully you laugh there's a story there's a bus and this bus is full of people that we're going to say aren't the best-looking people in the world. And uh, they're all riding down the road, <clears throat> and all of a sudden they had a head-on collision with the tractor-trailer, and the bus, everyone inside of it died. All of them went to heaven, and uh, they're standing before God, and God says, you know what, y'all were some great people on earth, and so I'm going to give each of you one wish. So the first person gets up in line, and, the first, and he says, God, I want to be made the most beautiful person in the world. And so God says, okay, it's done. So he's like, dude, this is awesome. He walks on into heaven. So the second person stands up in line, same thing. If he was made beautiful, I want to be made beautiful too. And so on and on, and God looks back, and at the very end of the line, he sees this guy in the very back. He's just dying laughing. And remember, that's Sid. Sid's the guy in the very back of the line. Not saying Sid's the best-looking person in the world, but that's Sid in the very back of the line. And uh, he's back there, and he's just laughing. So he goes through and on and on, and, um, you know, what's your wish? I want to be beautiful. So he goes through beautiful. About 10 people left, and now Sid's at the very back. He's just rolling on the ground, laughing, laughing as can be, smacking himself. Finally, God's like, man, what is this guy doing? And so comes up to the last guy. Sid comes up, and he goes, what's your wish, son? And he goes, give me a minute to catch my breath after laughing. He goes, I want all them to be made ugly again. <laughs> and walks on through heaven. And he just dies laughing. So it was great. We laughed this morning. I'm thinking that would be Sid one day. He would take everyone's wish and erase it um, and make us all suffer again. But as I was printing off my notes for this lesson for this morning, um, Pastor always looks at my notes to make sure everything's spelled right because I'm a terrible person in English. Um, and he doesn't want anything improperly grammatical and, and uh, wrong in it. Uh, I'm getting messed up with my words right now. Um, and he said, you're talking on yourself? I said, well, there's no better to talk about myself than myself. Um, but I love the book of James. It's an amazing book. We went through the first four chapters in the youth group um, just about a couple weeks ago. And uh, we had a, an eight-week series. And we went through the book of James. And I stopped at chapter 5 because chapter 5 is more geared towards older people, uh, people that have lived life a little bit longer than teenagers. Um, and then all of a sudden, pastor was like, hey, you want to do Sunday morning for me? I'm like, sure. 
And so it felt great to go ahead and do chapter 5. And so I'm going to be in chapter 5. And today we're talking about patience. And it's something that I don't have a lot of. How many of you in here have a lot of patience? Not a lot of people. I know. I, um, there's so many things that get us. And the thing that, that makes us so impatient are the everyday things. You know, waiting in line at a stoplight. And you're just so impatient. Or going grocery shopping at Walmart and you've got a mile long line. And you're like, oh my goodness. This line's got to hurry up. Because we have somewhere else to be or whatever it may be. Um, but there's so many things that make us impatient. Um, but the question I want to ask this morning is, why? What, what's, what are we in the hurry for? What is this so big of an urgency to get through that stoplight or to get through that line at Walmart? And so many times we just want to get done because we're tired of waiting or we've got a kid in the car that's screaming or a kid in the buggy that's screaming or mom or dad's yanking on this, can I have this piece of candy? That was me. Candy, 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 candy. Getting smacked upside the head for always asking for things in the Walmart line and making my mom and dad suffer. I know I'm going to be the same way. My child's going to be acting up. I'm going to smack him in the head because he's um, getting on my nerves too. But that's, that's kids. That's life, right? And, uh, but we're so, so many times we get uh, so impatient. And this part of James chapter 5 talks about the power of patience. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So we're going to read in James chapter 5, um, verses 7 through 12. And then we'll get started into our message today. Um, it says, Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruits of the earth, and hath long patience for it, until he receiveth the early and latter rain. Be also patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. Take my brethren, the prophets, who have spoken in the name of the Lord, for an example of suffering, affliction, and patience. Behold, we count them happy which endure, for we, for, um, sorry, ye have heard the patience of Job, and have seen the end of the Lord, and the Lord is very pitiful, and of tender mercy. But above all things, my brothers, swear not, neither by heaven, nor by, neither by earth, neither by any other oath, but let your yea be yea, and your nay be yea, lest ye fall into condemnation. So let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Pray you help us today as uh, we talk about patience. We talk about how you have patience with us and uh, how we can have patience, Lord. We pray that you'll just be with us this morning, and we love you, Father. In your name we pray. Amen. A couple of things I want to say before we get started. Um, I know a few of you guys were praying for our three-on-three basketball tournament and our worship night. The three-on-three tournament went great. We had about 38, almost 40 kids here, which was great. We had about 30, only about eight of our teenagers from our church. So we had about 30-some teenagers from out in the community that came in and played. So it was a great time there. Um, and then our worship night didn't work as I had planned. Um, we had a, it was just a conflict of a date, I guess. Um, a lot of the high schools in the area were having graduations. Um, and so a lot of the high schools wasn't able to make it out. Um, so we're going to reschedule our, our worship night probably to the beginning of the school year, have a back-to-school worship night revival is what we're sort of looking at. So be praying for that as we sort of reschedule that and tweak that. We still want to do it. I think it's going to be a great thing. I just think we had picked the wrong date, and uh, we just didn't work around that. One other thing, I don't know if you have this, The Days of Praise Are In. Um, I was looking through it, and it's a great book, a devotional book for you. Um, but as we get started now into our lesson here of patience, um, James shares three things in this passage that we just read on why and when we need to be patient. The first one is when to be patient. Is The first one is when circumstances are uncontrollable. In verse 7, it says, Behold, the husband waited upon the coming of the Lord. Uh, I'm sorry, behold, the husband waited for the precious fruit of the earth. All right, we've got a lot of farmers. We're in Idaho. Everyone farms in Idaho. I've learned that since I've been here in the last two years. 
and uh, we've got farmland everywhere. And to be a farmer, you must be patient, right? You can't just plant a seed, and the next day you have a corn stalk full of corn. It doesn't work like that. Sometimes we wish it would, but it doesn't. We have to have that patience. And that's what it's talking about here. Um, it says the husbandman or the farmer went out in his field, and he said he planted the seed, and he waited, and the rain came, and it produced fruit. It said sometimes the rain didn't come, and he had to wait till later. But either way, no matter what, he was patient, and he waited because the circumstances were uncontrollable. Um, and, and sometimes in our life, as we're growing up, we have um, a lot of impatience um, right now. As far as teenagers, they're impatient on getting their driver's license. Um, a few of these guys are starting to drive, and they're going to get their permit and get their driver's license. They're impatient. They're ready to jump at the wheel. Some of us are very, we don't, we're, we're patient. We're letting them wait because we don't want them on the road with us. Um, and so we have patience in that area because we don't want them on the road. Um, Sometimes this may be their first date or with our age, um, doctor's appointments. I know me and my wife right now, I, I hate it because I schedule an appointment with the doctor, but I now have to wait like 30 minutes in the waiting room. And then I have to wait an hour in the actual room for my doctor even to come in. I'm like, God, oh, come on, we got to hurry up. I got things to do. And I get impatient and I get to get sometimes restless because I'm waiting and waiting. We just went and we took our, our two-hour test. It was a two-hour test. We uh um, we waited in the doctor, and literally I just waited in the waiting room. They drew blood. She drank some drink. We waited in the room for an hour. They drew more blood. We waited an hour, and they drew more blood, and we were done. The two-hour test, and I just sat in the lobby and read a book, and it was, I wasn't impatient there, but I'm thinking, man, why can't they just draw all the blood at once and be done? I can go home. All right? got to wait and wait and wait, and it's just testing my patience. And as I was preparing this lesson, I'm thinking, you're testing my patience right now, Lord, as I'm preparing this lesson. This past week, we went and did that test. Um, but so many times in our life, the circumstances are uncontrollable. And we get impatient, but yet we can't do anything about the situation. And yet we're still impatient. We can't do anything about the light changing from red to green. But yet we're so impatient. And we're like, God, oh, come on. But God says, when the circumstances are uncontrollable, just like the farmer waited patiently for the rain to come, waited patiently for his fruit to come, that's how we should be in our life, as just waiting patiently on the Lord. When the circumstances are uncontrollable, we shouldn't get uptight. We shouldn't get upset. And so many times when I'm impatient and I get upset, I then take it out on my wife. And guys, we know how that is. We get impatient. Sometimes we'll get mad at our wife. And she's like, she didn't do anything. Sometimes waiting there for dinner. I come home. I'm waiting for dinner. Waiting for dinner. Waiting for dinner. I get impatient because I'm hungry. I'm a big boy. I like to eat. And sometimes we get impatient for the little things that we have no control of. I mean, if my wife served me the food before it was done, then I would get sick. And she probably would want me to get sick at that time. Um, but we must have patience sometimes. We have to endure through things. Um, and there's so many times in our life where the circumstances are just uncontrollable. And we just have to say, God, you're in control. I'm going to give them to you. All right, the second reason here of when to be patient is when the people are unchangeable. When the people are unchangeable. Um, in verse 10, it says, Take my brethren, the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord, for an example of suffering affliction. The prophets took the message to the people that were unwilling to listen or obey. Um, and sometimes we deal with people who don't listen, um, and we have to take the time um, to, to give them that, that, that time to, to deal with them. And my wife teaches in third grade, and she knows a lot about this. I was able to teach this year to some sixth graders 
who are sometimes unwilling to listen, who just like you keep saying it over and over and over and over and over again. They never get it. And the people sometimes are unchangeable. Sometimes we can't change the people, but we have to never give up. But we just have to keep on trying and keep on trying and keep on trying because sometimes we're hard-headed. I'm hard-headed. All right, I'm stubborn. I'm stubborn as a mule. And I'm sure there's some guys and some girls out there just like me who are stubborn and who are unchangeable. But I'm glad someone just didn't give up on me is the same thing. All right, because they kept going. And I had a Sunday school teacher who kicked me out of the Sunday school class every single Sunday because me and a girl that was in the class, we would bicker and we would fight and we would uh, get on our, each other's nerves. But yet that Sunday school teacher never gave up on me. And she still kept pounding us. And one day I would go out of the classroom. The next day she would go out of the classroom. Uh, they'd have to separate us. Um, but they never gave up on me. And then I just now got a Facebook message um, the other day from her. And her and her husband are now a pastor in Texas. And they're going to be in California. I'm going to be there. And she texted me and said, hey, are you going to be in California? Hey, let's get up for lunch sometime. All right? And because they just didn't give up. And they still care about us. And that's what is so, so many times... When we're dealing with people, when we're dealing with kids and teenagers who just are stubborn and are hard-headed, we just can't give up on them. We have to just keep on and keep on and keep on, even though our patience sometimes wears thin and we want to grab them by their neck and just choke them sometimes. We can't do that, all right? Um, we would go to jail. Something bad would happen to us. Um, so we can't do that, but we just have to have patience because sometimes people aren't going to change. People just are going to do the same thing they've always done. And so we just have to keep on keeping on, just as Jesus stayed, just as the prophets here said they stayed steadfast. It said, the, um, take, who have spoken in the name of the Lord, for example, and suffered affliction and had patience. All right? So we must just be as like that as the people who are unchangeable. The third one here is when the problems are unexplainable. When the problems are unexplainable. <clears throat> it says in verse 11, it says, Behold, we count them happy which endure. You have heard of the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord. Job is one of my favorite Bible characters. I talk about Job all the time because I love seeing the, the life of Job and seeing how he endured through these things. Um, I mean, he didn't know at the time that Satan had anything, that Satan was in charge of all this. And he's searching his life and he's going through and he's saying, what did, what did I do? What was the reason for this happening to me? Why did my wife die? Why did all my kids die? Why did all of my cattle and all of my farm get taken away? My house got burned down. Why did these things happen? And he said the problems were unexplainable. Nothing, no one could explain why this happened. He had his friends coming and saying, man, you were doing things wrong. It's because of you that these things are happening. And he had his friends that were just talking bad about him. And he could have gave up at any time. And he could have said, you know what, God, this isn't worth it. Man, you were good to me, but now you're not. I'm done with you, God. But he said, you know, man, he was good to me now. Why would I turn my back on God now? And he just stuck through. And the patience of Job is incredible reading through his life and reading through what he went through. And I sometimes try when I read through the book of Job, I try to put myself in that picture. And I try to say, man, if I was in this situation, how would I respond? Would I have been as patient as Job? Would I have been able to say, you, Lord, you gave it to me. You can take it away. Blessed be your name. Would I really be able to say blessed be the name of the Lord if that were to happen in my life? And we see the patience and how Job was able to endure through this time, even though nothing, he couldn't explain it. Man, and, and, and I think in my life of, of when the problems weren't explained, my dad had cancer when I was um, in like 
second or third grade, can't remember exactly, I was young, and uh, we had found out in October, and went in for the doctor's appointment, and the doctor said, by December, this will probably be his last Christmas. He's not going to live through Christmas. And so we, we, all of our family had planned. He had went on medical leave. Um, he was off his job. And so we would just sort of put it in God's hands. We said, God, we can't do anything the doctors are saying. He's not going to make it. And uh, so we just sort of, um, but, but by having that patience and that Christmas, we had planned on having nothing. The tree was there. We had nothing underneath it. We had no money. Um, and then all of a sudden, people came and knocked on the door on Christmas Day. And some churches in the area had found out about it. And they had bought all of our presents. They had gotten our clothes sizes. And they brought it through there. And we, just to think of the patients and how the, the problems were unexplainable. We couldn't say why he had cancer, but yet God still supplied. And God was there because we were patient. My dad lives now cancer-free. And that's an amazing victory, an amazing miracle that God did there. But, I mean, I think about it. What if we wouldn't have been patient? What if we would have blamed God in that situation? Said, God, how dare you do this to us? How dare you do this to my dad? Well, I mean, how would that have changed the circumstances? But yet we had patience and we said, God, this is, we're just going to give it to you. We can't explain why he has this. The doctors don't know why, but we're just going to give it to you and you're going to take care of it. And God went through it and he took care of it. And the problems sometimes are so unexplainable, but yet we have to trust in God. It says, think about all the troubles that came to Job, his losses, family, friends, income, and how many of us face the same type of problems. In light of that, how does Job's example appear even stronger? Man, there's going to be times we're going to lose our job, we're, things are going to happen bad, and we've seen that some even this week and this past week, but yet God says, I'm still in control. Just have patience, trust me. My ways are higher than your ways. I, there is no time in my spectrum. God says, I don't, there is no beginning, there is no end. I stand outside of time and I see everything, but you just have to trust me and I'll take care of you. And so many times that trusting deals with patience. And understanding how to trust with God, how to give that patience, and, ha- and why to have that. Which leads to our next one, why be patient? Why be patient? Um, verse 10, it says, um, it says, Take my brethren, the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord, for example, suffering affliction, and the patience. And they have seen the end of the Lord. Um, and, and so, because God is in control. Because God is in control. The first century Christians, they're in Acts Man, they could not wait to see God again. They want, I mean, the, the, every part of Acts that you read about it, they were just waiting and waiting for Christ's return. And so many times in our day and age, we, we're waiting for that, for that day of Christ is going to appear again. But it's not that anticipation like they were. Man, they, we're sort of just lackadaisical. Eh, God's going to come back. When he comes back, he's going to come back. But man, they were, they were pushing for it. They were waiting for it. Every single day, they were waiting for his appearing. And, we, and sometimes I think in my life, and we think, man, it's been 2,000 years. God promised this. It's going to happen, right? But yet we don't have that earnest, fervent feeling of he's going to return immediately. It could happen today. It could happen tomorrow. And sometimes we lose that excitement. Sometimes we lose that. And this is one of those situations I think I'm almost impatient because I want to see God again. I want to see what he's done. I want to see my Savior who died for me. And I want to be there, and I want to be with him. And sometimes I get impatient about that. Uh, But that's how it needs to be in our life. We need to almost understand that God's in control, and God is there to refocus our life to help us to remind him that he's in control. He'll bring circumstances in our life just to knock us back on track, just to say, hey, listen, sometimes you think you're in control. Sometimes you think you're high and mighty, but I'm here, 
to show you that I'm in control. And sometimes he, that's what he does. He just smacks us around a little bit. And, and that, I, I, I'm the same way with my dad every once in a while. I remember as I was growing up, I, as I became a teenager and I started driving, and I would sometimes buck up against my dad, and my dad would put me in my place. He said, son, I'm still in control of you. And that's how it is, as sometimes dads need to do, need to put our sons and daughters back in place. And that's said, God's the same way. He's a father, just like our dad's a father. And he says, sometimes I just need to put you back in place, not in a mean way, but just saying I'm in control and just to trust me. And so many times as we begin to get impatient, we forget that God is in control. And we forget that he's there to deal with our needs. And he's there if we just ask him. But sometimes we're so impatient, we just want the answer to be done now. We don't want it to be finished now. And we forget that God's there. And God says, just wait. Just patiently wait and I'll take care of it. Why the second thing we should be patient is because God rewards patience. God rewards patience. Verse 11 says, Behold, we count them happy which endure. We count them happy which endure. James 1.12 also says, um, says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for he, when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. And so this person who has endured through this temptation, God says, I've got a crown for you. I've got a reward in heaven for you for enduring. I mean, just for having patience and enduring, God says, I've got a reward for you. I've got a crown in heaven just for you enduring, just for you having patience. And that's awesome to think about that God is going to bless us in heaven as well, not even here on earth, but also in heaven for just waiting on people and just having patience and enduring temptation. God says, I'm going to wait for you. I'm going to give that to you. In Hebrews 6, chapter 12, Hebrews 6, verse 12 says, um, that you should not be slothful of the followers of them who faith and patience inherit the promises. And God says here, when you have that, when you follow, when you're followers of them that have faith and patience inherit the promise, you inherit this promise that God has for us. And we, re, we receive this inheritance through our patience. If we don't have patience, we don't get the inheritance. And so many times, um, I, and I read a book years ago, I think it may be in a movie, of a guy who wrote a will out, and he said, you have to do these things in order to get this money. All right, he had to like, make one friend. He never had a friend. And he said, everything's going to be taken away from you. I think it's called the gift or something. And he said, if you do this, all these things, you'll have all of your inheritance back. You'll have all of your money back. But you have to make one friend for, 20, for like a whole week. And so he goes out and he's fine. And there's so many, there's, sometimes there's clauses to our reward. And that's what it is here. Of He says, man, there's a clause. If you have that patience... There's a reward for you and have that inheritance here on earth of that blessings. Um, there's so many blessings that we can have, but so many times there's, there's these blessings there and God says, I want to give these blessings to you, but we're rushing so much that we rush over our blessings. And if we were just patient and we were to stand back and we were just let God work, we would get more blessings, but we push over our blessings because we're so in a hurry. We want to get through and we want to get done and we just, we're push, push, push that we sometimes miss what God has for us. Because our eyes aren't open to what's around us. So God says, sometimes just slow down. Have patience. And I know I'm the biggest one. I talk fast when I get nervous. And so I, I need to work on that patience as well. All right, the third one here. Why be patient? Because God is working things out. God is working things out. Verse 11 says that the Lord is very pitiful and tender of mercy. God's working things out. God is working, but it does not always 
coincide with our time. God works things out, but sometimes we're like, God, I need it done by Thursday at 12 o'clock because I've got an appointment at 1 o'clock, so I need this taken care of. And God says, well, your time's not the same as my time. And it might not get done until Friday at 12 o'clock. And we're like, oh, come on, God. And so we'll try to push through and fix it ourselves because us guys are fix-its. All right? And my wife, she gets on to me all the time. She'll come in, something will happen at work, and she'll come in and she'll say, this is what she has to say. She says, no, don't try to fix my problem. I just want to tell you what's going on. Don't try to fix it. I just want to tell you what happened. So she'll go to tell you, and I'll be thinking in my mind, how can I fix this? She's like, stop thinking about how to fix it. I just want to tell you what's going on. I'm like, oh, I just want to fix it because I'm a fixer. I like to fix things. And if something's broke, I want to fix it. I want to get it done. And she has to remind me that often. I don't want you to fix it right now. I just want to tell you what's going on. And she has to remind me that often. And God says I'm the same way. Just tell me. Don't try to fix it. I'll fix it for you. And so many times that's what we have to work on because God works things out. Have you ever taken the ranks from God and then received a bad result? Man, happened to us all. It's like taking the reins from mom and dad. I was two years old. I, can remember, I remember the story because my mom tells a story to everyone she ever meets when I'm around her. Um, that's the only reason why I know it. I was two years old. I don't even remember me doing it. Um, but I took the reins from mom and dad in the car. And I was two years old, and we had an old, it was a blue van. And there was an old one that you didn't have to push the brake to pull the gear shift down. Um, so I got, up in the gear, I got up in the seat, and I'm playing like I'm dad. And apparently I grabbed the gear shift, and I pulled it down to neutral. And our, our driveway was on a hill. And it starts backing out. And my brother had a speech problem. My brother jumps out of the car, runs inside. He's trying to get out mom, vehicle, car. So she's like, what? He, he stutters through this. She walks outside and the van's halfway down the road across the street. And dad runs out the street, grabs a hole, jumps in, tears his leg up on the, on the asphalt, gets the thing stopped, and gives me the worst beating I've ever had, apparently. <laughs> I don't remember any of it. But my mom apparently remembers it. But so many times, that's how we are in our life. We want to take the reins from God. We want to take the steering wheel from God and say, God, I want to take care of it now. And God says, you don't, you don't, even, you don't even have light to see, but I know everything. But yet you want to take control. Man, there's been times I was driving in the mountains of North Carolina, and I couldn't literally see the car in front of me. I just saw the yellow line on the side of the road, and that's what I followed. Very slowly, down the hill, in the rain. All right, and I'm thinking, this is sort of how our life is on we are driving in God's seat. We can't see around us. We don't know anything. God says, I see everything, but yet you're trying to drive in my seat. And so we just need to understand that God is working things out, and we just need to give him the reins so he can take care of it. The last thing here is how to be patient. How to be patient. This is the one that if we take it to our heart and we take it and we apply it to our life, it can really work out to be some great things. But how to be patient, the number one is wait together. Wait together. Man, my wife, every time she goes to the doctor's appointment, she has to take me because she hates waiting alone. How many of you hate waiting alone somewhere? Man, you're just like, are they looking at me? What do they think about me? All right, you start thinking about everybody else. But when you've got someone with you, you can talk to them. You can say, hey, look what I just saw on Facebook. Look what I just saw on on my news feed that I get, or whatever. And so when, when someone's there with you, waiting isn't such a big deal. Because you've got someone to talk to, you've got someone to be with. And so waiting together is a huge part of patience. I mean, grabbing a Christian friend, when you're wanting to go do something, and you know it's going to wait a while, and you tell them, hey, we're going to be waiting somewhere, I just want to spend some time with you. Um, and, and doing that, it's so much of a better 
waiting experience. And so much of a better patience experience when we have someone there with us to communicate with. Someone there with us that's going to help us out through the way. And, but waiting together is a huge thing. And, and every bit of through the scripture talks about pairs. Peter and Paul. Paul and Silas. Paul and Barnabas. Um, Timothy and Paul. Paul always had a partner with him. They always paired up. Jesus said go out two by two. And Jesus paired his disciples up. Uh, you always saw Peter, James, and John together. Because they wanted to be in pairs. They wanted to wait together. Jesus didn't say, hey, Peter, wait here for 12 hours. He said, no, Peter, James, and John, wait here while I go and pray. He put them as a pair so they could help each other stay awake, and they still all fell asleep. All right? Um, They didn't have the patience there either. But God says, I want you to wait together. I want you to go together. Go in pairs. Man, one person, I can do a lot by myself. But me and John working together, we can do even more. All right? Me, John, Casey, all working together, we can do a lot more. Uh, the more people that work together, the more things get done. And so by waiting together, we're now getting more accomplished together. Um, and so it's just a better experience by waiting together. The second one here is waiting quietly. It isn't easy, and we often complain and whine when we have to wait. I've been there. I sometimes complain and whine. Why do I have to go to this doctor's appointment with you, Allie? Why do I have to go and wait in this doctor's appointment's room? Uh, and sometimes I will comply, complain and, and murmur, and she makes me go anyways because she's the woman and she makes me do that. Um, and, but we have to sometimes wait just quietly and just let God move. In Psalms 1, um, let me see here, Psalms 46.10, you don't have to turn there, I will just flip there and read it for you. Psalms 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. So it says, wait on the Lord. Be still and know that I am God. It, says, doesn't, it doesn't say run around, be loud and obnoxious. It says, be still, be quiet, and just know that I am God. He says, I will be exalted among the heathen, and I will be exalted among the earth. But if you're not still, and you're not quiet, that's not going to happen because they're now going to see you and no longer see God. And so we have to understand that sometimes being still and waiting is going to glorify God more than it's going to glorify us. And so by waiting quietly, God says, then I can be um, uplifted and I can be known among all the people if you just take yourself out of the picture and put me in the picture. But so many times we put ourselves in the picture and we do nothing and God can do everything. And so we have to understand by waiting quietly can be an amazing thing. All right, the third one here is waiting confidently. Waiting confidently. In 1 John 5, it's just a couple pages over. Um, 1 John 5, 14 and 15 says this. It says, And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And we know that, we, that he hears us whatsoever we ask. We know that we have the petitions that we desire of him. So we can know that we have what we ask for, but we don't know when. God says, when you ask for it confidently, um, I'm going to give it to you if it's in the will. But we don't know when it's going to happen. So many times we'll be impatient and God will say, I'm going to give it to you. But because we're so impatient, God's now going to take it away from us because we're just pushing, pushing, pushing. And God says, when you just wait confidently and wait saying, I know you're going to take care of this situation, then God says, then I can work through it and I can take care of it. Um, Satan will use us and make us doubt our confidence. 
And Satan gets in and he goes, man, it's, it's as old as the very first chapter in the Bible, second chapter in the Bible. And Satan comes into Eve and he says, did God really say that? He, and he breaks down that confidence. And that's how it is in our life. Satan's going to come in our life and he's going to say, you, you think God's really going to give that to you? And you asked for it. You said you were confident, but are you, do you really think God's going to do that for you? And then all of a sudden in our mind, we start thinking, man, what if God doesn't do it? What if God doesn't come through for me at this time? And then we start, uh, okay, I'll just have to do it myself then. And then we step out and we now doubt, doubt God. But that's what Satan does. He gets in our mind and he gets in and he says, man, is God, because once we're saved, Satan can't take our salvation away. But now he can affect how we influence other people. And so by, God, by him stepping in and playing God in our life, he's now affecting our influence. He's now affecting who we talk to and how we trust God. And so we have to wait confidently, saying, God, I know you're going to take care of this, and I know it's going to be done. And then the fourth one here, wait expectantly. Wait expectantly. Expect that your prayers will be answered. James 1.8, it says, A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. And God says, trust me and expect it's going to happen. Because if you expect it and then now you don't expect it and now you're expecting it and you don't. I mean, I, it, God says, man, a double-minded man, you're unstable. You're just, you, you don't know what you're doing. You're here there once and you're over here now. You're, you're not stable in what you're doing because you don't have a solid mind. God says, man, wait expectantly. Don't doubt me. Don't second guess me. Expect that I'm going to do it. Expect that I'm going to be there and I'm going to take care of it for you. Um, and, and Psalms 5.3, I'll, I'll close and we'll be done here in just a minute. Psalms 5.3 says this. Psalms 5.3. It says, My voice shall thou hear in the morning. O Lord, in the morning will I direct my prayers unto thee, and I will look up. David writes here about how he's expecting God, and how in the morning he opens up his life with prayer. And he says, God, I'm expecting you to do this. I'm praying, and I'm giving you the expectation that you deserve by saying you're going to take care of it. And he says, man, every morning I'm going to get up, and early in the morning I'm going to do this, and I'm going to give you this prayer because I'm going to see how much of a bigger and greater expectation that you have. Because, man, when we, when we have an expectation that God's going to do something, so many times he'll blow our mind. All right, I love the AT&T commercials. How many of y'all have seen them with the, the guy with the four kids? Um, we, I've got, like, Bobo TV with the antennas and everything. And these commercials come on all the time. And the guy's sitting here, and he goes, what's the biggest number you know? And the first kid goes, ten. <laughs> it's like, really? And the second kid goes, a hundred million billion. It's like, oh, okay. Then one kid goes, infinity is the biggest number. And he goes, very good. We were, oh, no, he says something. He goes, we were looking for the number infinity. And one kid goes, what about infinity plus one? He goes, huh? And then one kid goes, what about infinity times infinity? And he goes, mind blown. All right, because that's how it is. We expect God to do things. And, and when we have that expectant, we say, God, I, I want you to do this. And we put that confidence there, and we sort of start expecting it. And then God comes in, and he just blows our mind. And he goes, you were expecting something small and something little, but I'm a big God. And I like giving big things. And he comes in, and he just blows our mind. But God says, I can't do that 
if you don't trust me. If you don't do these things, if you don't wait together, wait quietly, wait confidently, wait expectantly, I can't come in and blow your mind. He said, but I will, but you have to do these things. Those similar clauses thing, the cause and effect that we learned in school. He said, when you do these things, I'll do this bigger thing. All right. And so what we really need in times of patience is hope. Now I put an across it together. It says holding on, praying expectantly. Holding on, praying expectantly. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, I know I'm going to close early today. But I'm going to give you time to, to maybe deal with some of this, um, some impatience that we might have in our life um, of not having hope, of not trusting in God, of not doing these things that we talked about. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, as Casey comes in place, Maybe today you're thinking in your life, I haven't been as patient as I should in the past. Maybe I haven't trusted God as much as I think I should have. Maybe I haven't expected him to do as what he wanted to do or confidently. And so during this time of Casey playing, the altars are open. I want you to come forward and pray. Maybe ask God to do something in your life. Falling on my knees in worship, giving all love.